Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain violent and sexual acts against men, women, and children. They are of a heinous nature and not to be taken lightly. If such things offend you, please do not listen any further. This podcast is not here to accuse anybody or to make any accusations. This is simply my opinion or the opinion of others that come on this podcast and in no way, shape, or form making any accusations whatsoever. Please understand that moving forward. Never violate a woman, nor harm a child. Do not lie, cheat, or steal. These things are for lesser men. Protect the weak from the evil strong. And do not let thoughts of gain lead you into the pursuit of evil. The Iron Code. My name's Jeremy, and I'm the host of a Man Apart podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing survivor experiences one story at a time. I cover rape, pedophilia, domestic violence, the troubled teen industry, cold case murders, as well as prison and military stories from survivors of many different heinous traumas on here. I also have solo episodes where I commentate on cases that I've studied or found across my table as well as one-on-one interviews with survivors where they tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly side of the trauma world. This podcast is not made for anybody with a weak stomach or a faint heart. This podcast will make you question not only your faith, but the system as well that's designed to protect children, men, and women in not only this country, but also around the world. If you want to know what it's like for a survivor to go through what they went through on a much more personable level, then this is the podcast for you. I don't let religion or politics, race or sexuality create a barrier between me and anybody else who's a survivor on this podcast to come here and share their experiences. You'll find a wide array and a vast diversity of people that come onto this podcast. Because I think it's important to allow people from all different walks and ways and backgrounds of life to share their perspective onto this podcast so that we can learn from one another. This podcast is raw, it's gritty, dark, but also full of light, happiness, and joy. Because that is the good and the bad and the ugly of the trauma world. There's growth, and there's despair, there's healing. There's also hurt. So thank you for coming on to this podcast. Thank you for clicking on to listen. Thank you for coming here to support the survivor that you want to listen to. And I hope you get to listen to the rest of the stories. And I can't wait to see what's next in the future. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy with the Manapar Podcast. This is going to be episode 90 titled Finding Grace Part 1 So y'all this is going to be a new interview series It's going to be up to three parts I interviewed Lindsay and she talks about her life and she talks about things she went through her being a CSA survivor a CA survivor she also was in the troubled teen industry and many 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 more different dramas involved as well The story is going to involve political corruption on a local level. The story is going to involve incest, child rape, pedophilia. There's a lot to all this. And you're going to hear Lindsay tell her story and what she's gone through and what she's been through and what she's doing to overcome it. So, let's dive on into this interview. And I hope y'all keep listening for part two, dropping next week. Thank you. Have a good day. And remember, the Bowman see, and the Bowman never forget. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy with the Manport Podcast. Today, we have Lindsay 
on the podcast, and she's going to share a story. Lindsay, tell us why you're here today. Hey, y'all. Well, I'm here today because, unfortunately for me, I was born into an ancestral family abuse cycle. And I didn't even really know, like, that's what I was in until I lost my ability to walk. And it took, like, going through my medical records to find out what the heck and piece things together. And, like, in my medical records, my doctor had to, like, sit me down and, like, explain, like, hey, we found some serious shit. (laughs) Are you aware that your... you know, your health has been being affected by the abuse you were going through as a child since you were, the the medical records date back to three years old, 36 months, uh, 36 months and two weeks is what it says in there. What kind of things? Yeah, it's just like a thing. And um, I'm also here because like, I'm sick of hiding. Like, these are not my secrets. These are not my skeletons in my closet. Unfortunately, there's people in my family that are in positions of power locally. Um, they should not be. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what kind of things does the doctor find health-wise with you? I have what they call an atonic bladder and an atonic intestinal tract. And that means that basically they don't do jack shit. And they were trying to figure out why. My primary found in my medical records that my GI symptoms are what we would consider today to be indicative sexual assault um, in a minor because of the types of tearing and stuff that I had. And I was having issues urologically where I was no longer able to urinate properly and things like that. And like, those were just basic parts of my life. Like I thought I was just always like that. Everybody was like that. I had no clue that there was something wrong with my body. I had no clue that there was a cause for this. All I was ever told by Janice, my birth giver, I guess, if you will, I don't really like to call her mom or nothing. Yeah. I grew up thinking all that was normal um, because Janice told me that I was just a difficult baby. I was just a difficult kid. I was just difficult. I was just sick. I was just... It's like, were you just urinating frequently or not enough? Or like, like how do they measure that it wasn't it, it wasn't a proper way to digest food and, and, and all those inner workings? Like, how how that... How, like, what, um, what's the difference between normal and, and what you got? I guess the, the easiest way to explain it with the bladder is, like, think of it as, like, a balloon that's got a little tie-off at the end, like a water balloon, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that little tie-off is this elastic thing that keeps your pee in your bladder. Normal people's, when you sit down, it reflect it. It's a reflex that automatically kicks in and releases your urine. Or for a guy, when you whip it out and you're like, "Okay, time to pee," you automatically have trained your body to. Well, you not automatically, but you've trained your body through potty training to right. release and discharge that at that prompting. There's no prompting that can get mine to do anything. I literally have to shove a whole ass catheter up in there these days. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as my GI issues go, my very first colonoscopy, I was four years old. What's crazy to me is like the results that they were getting. Again, it was all micro tears and tearing to my GI tract and like they couldn't figure it out. So they actually blamed it on me for a long time and said that I was just a stubborn kid and I was holding my poop. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was like, like looking back, it's pretty fucked how sick I was and like how many times I could have died because, well, Janice didn't want my dad finding out what was going on behind closed doors. Yeah. And that was so. The stuff that was going on behind closed doors, that's what your what Janice was doing to you? Um like, well, like she was doing Janice was orchestrating, if you. you will. There was only I can say a handful of times where my mother uh directly sexually assaulted me herself. Okay. She's really good at getting other people to do her bidding for her. I describe her like Venom, like from Spider Man. Yeah. Um she is just black sludge and she can infiltrate anything. Gotcha. Um, she can convince you that the sky is yellow and the sky is black. Like it's yeah. insane. She is definitely a gaslighting pro. Gotcha. 
she's a scary, <laughs> she's a scary woman. I'm not yeah. scared much or many, but she's definitely one of those on my top 10 that give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, she could sell ice to an Eskimo and, and everything like that. Like she's just good, she's just good with her words. She knows how to how to manipulate and work things behind the scenes and everything and make yeah. it seem like it's all your fault when she could I mean she could be stabbing you and saying, You doing this to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotcha. I, I literally have a story like that. Actually, you know, I think that's a good one to kind of give a good overview and a good intro before you get into the nitty gritty of yeah. the level of uh manipulation we're talking about here. I was sixteen. And I had a girlfriend. I had come out uh, at the time by this girl. It was my first love. Yeah. It's, is my first love. Um, she was the first consensual sex I had ever had in my life. And on top of that, her parents saw through my mother's bullshit. My dad, by this point, had already passed away. So, like, my lifeline was gone. And I was just kind of out here waiting and hoping to survive somehow, not really sure what was going on so this girl that I was dating was like really important to me because her mom would drive the full hour to go pick me up in the full hour back to her house and like she didn't complain once she wasn't ever mad she was happy about it where my mama was like pulling teeth to get her to even meet the woman halfway which I mean to each their own parents or how they are but then one night she decides that well she and the, the school um decide that me and my girlfriend need to break up. Now keep in mind, this is like 2008. And being gay was social suicide back then. And that's just what it is. And I come from a very small town. Yeah. Not doing myself any favors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one thing that was in my, that I guess is important leading into the snow is I was terrified at this point in my life of the dark. Terrified. And the road that I'm going to mention is pitch black. It's a highway that runs through New York um, into Massachusetts and into Vermont. Everybody in town knew I would not walk down that road in the pitch black for yeah. nothing. So that being said, yeah, it's like one of those, like, you, you just, so it, it's a dumb move to walk down. It is yeah. just a dumb idea. It's one of those old back county highways, and there ain't a trooper to be found for God knows how long. The school and she decide that we need to break up. My mom is, you know, demanding that of me. And I, I'm autistic. We didn't know that at the time. But I'm, like, logicking the fuck out of her. I'm like, but why? What has Amanda done that that was the girl's name um what did amanda do that like you know means i gotta break up with her like this doesn't make sense to me and through me trying to comprehend what she was asking of me because of it being so illogical it continued to enrage her and it enraged her to a point where she threw me out of the house to which i said i'll go pack my bags bet and i walked one two almost three towns over. I want to say it's like five, 10 miles almost. Like, I mean, I walked for hours yeah. um, until I got cell service. I called my girlfriend, told her what was going on and that I was panicking and that she told me to get out and I got out and I have my book bag and I'm just walking, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> and her mom is like, I am on my way. So Janice watch, and it's very important to know that Janice also watched me walk out that front door. And told yeah. me to not let door hit me on the way out. She then waits until the next day and reports me as a missing teen. And she almost got Amanda's parents charged with kidnapping. It was If it wasn't for the police officer who showed up to Amanda's house. Because they called me on my cell phone. And I was like, yeah, I'm right here. And they are like, well, do you know your mom's looking for you? And I was like, why would she be looking for me? She threw me out last night in the middle of the night. Like, yeah, she knows where I am. Cause I even texted her and I was like, I'm at Amanda's house. So there was like no reason for her to be playing. Like I didn't like, she didn't know where I was. And she had multiple state troopers convinced until they saw the amount of stuff that I had packed. Like I didn't just like do the old throw it all in the suitcase and run like right. every other teenager. I did methodical school clothing, packing weekend clothes, packing, like, it was clear that I had some time before I up and went. Yeah, you were, and, you were going for, yeah, you were packing for a fucking long trip. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I had my pills and like, <laughs> that's a big, another part is she was like shoving pills down my throat. Like they were freaking candy and that completely destroyed my liver. It completely destroyed my kidneys. Um, and like, yeah, so she's, she, she, she convinced these guys. Um, and like, I gave this soon as a trooper asked, I told him exactly the address I was at. I was like, I mean, I'm about to hop in the car and go with my girlfriend to school because we were at the same school. We both had kind of gotten sent away because people were starting to catch on to my mom's shit. The town I was growing up in, my dad used to, or my grandfather was a pastor in, so she had some pull. Yeah. And it was easier to send the loud, annoying child away than to deal with the issue at hand. So we were like, her mom was driving us to school. Like, I, like that's and that's I think when the trooper was like, something, something's just not right. And um, he pushed came to shove. I had to go home to Janice. Uh, well, I didn't have to. They like convinced me to. But, like, it was more so I was afraid of what Janice would do to my girlfriend's family if I didn't go. That got me to leave. And the officer, I'll never forget him (laughs) to this day, Officer Fitzpatrick, he gave me his card and he said, you see this number right here? And he pointed it out to me. You call this. Next time she throws you out, you call this. Don't go nowhere. Don't say nothing. You call this course within the next three months she had me moved completely out of that town because at that point the town caught on yeah and they were asking questions like she told everybody we were moving because the house was being foreclosed on craziest thing is i end up in real estate um and you know so i learned how to read property deeds and shit yeah i find out um that the house wasn't even foreclosed on until the um, day my son was born in 2014. So she just uh, she just sold the house or something like that, or no, or, no, no, she claimed it was she stopped paying the mortgage. Oh wow! And the bank repossessed it. But it didn't repossess it for almost seven years. That's so why. Weird. Why did we have to? Why did you have to up and move? I could have finished my last two years of high school out there. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't until now, you know, having this information and talking to some of my friends from back home um, that have come forward with other abuse stories of Janice um, that uh, I realized people were getting suspicious. The amount of parents of people who were my age growing up in my class that have reached out and said, I'm sorry, I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. Is disgusting. Like there's there's never a time you don't know what to do as an adult when you know a kid is being abused. There's never a time ever. But this town was so afraid of her and her authority. And the also a lot of these parents, they knew her from when she had my brother 20 years prior to me. And my grandparents ended up raising him because she and her husband were found at the bar multiple times by multiple people with my brother sitting on top of the bar getting drunk. Like not my brother getting drunk, but they would like put my brother, yeah, yeah, they yeah. would set him up there yeah. and then they would get get shit faced and then they try to fight people and they would be very volatile. And even after my brother's father got sobered up um, and he's got, Oh geez, he's coming up on 40 years now. Knock on wood for him, man. 40 years of sobriety. Um, But uh, yeah. So like, it was like, they knew she was, she was crazy. They knew. And like people knew not only that she was crazy, but they knew what she was capable of because there were multiple points back then that she like had to be taken out in handcuffs because she just was absolutely atrocious. She actually was banned from my grandparents' house for a long time. I never knew that until another kid, like another friend's mom came forward who went to high school with her. Like, it's nuts. It is nuts. So like what's some (laughs) stuff that she did to like, with her power and everything like that to hurt other people with like, like, like did she get people thrown in in prison jail or. Well, uh, um, 
currently what she is using it for is she's got some connections that are higher up that have influence over um, both our criminal and family court system locally. Yeah. My dumbass decided to piss that bear off when I left with a trail of blazing like a tourist does. And they have helped her um, diminish or not diminish um, like get rid of reports that I've put in. Um, They've helped protect her from legal action from, I was actually recently sexually assaulted by her just this past April of this year while I was homeless. Um, and like, I have a full account, like I did everything right that I could have. I contacted somebody and I was in a no win situation yet. She still doesn't have charges. She Um, sexually assaulted you this last April. Yeah. Just this past April. While I was staying with her while I was homeless. She forced me to sleep in bed with her. Wow. Yeah. And like, I'm, I don't, I don't know. Obviously they can't see me in here, but, um, I'm a wheelchair user. Yeah. Um, and I only recently became ambulatory as a wheelchair user as well. So like we're talking back when I really could not defend myself. I could not fight my way out of a paper bag. And she's telling me that it's either I get in, I lay in bed with her and go to bed or she kicks me back out on the street. Like, I'd already been through three months of homelessness at that point. That was enough for me to just jump right in. And the old indoctrination fell through. And I couldn't sleep that night because she could not keep her feet to herself. Um, And for some reason, she was able to, she, for some reason, thought it was a great idea to put her her feet on my genitals and continuously rub. And she has not had charges for that yet. In fact, the investigation was completely closed. I mean, that's close to third degree rape is what that sounds like to me. I mean, down here in Louisiana, like situations like that happen. And people get charged with third degree rape. Um, yeah, yeah, not not up here apparently. Well, I mean, if you're anybody else who doesn't know somebody. Yeah. Um, another so, way, another example of where she'll hold power over somebody and manipulate shit. Um, I had a really, really good friend. Her name was Stephanie, and uh, we we were really like we were awesome friends for each other because, frankly, we both were coming up in shit. And yeah. when her dad realized who I can't say much or when her dad realized what my mom was, my mom realized what he was. Well, they, the, the devils danced. Um, I found out recently that my mom verbally assaulted that girl, called her fat, ugly piece of shit that nobody wanted her. That's why she was adopted. Like just vile shit. You don't say to a kid. Right. And that, like, and it it gets much worse than that, but, like, the yeah. fallout for her to this day, I can only imagine. Like, I can only imagine. And, like, what do you do with that? Like, I I pretty much introduced him. <laughs> like, not yeah. even pretty much. I did. She wouldn't have known. My mom wouldn't have known this poor girl if it wasn't for me. So, you know, you kind of get caught in that. Um, and I guess the third and probably most prominent example is... She had the entire town that I grew up in okay with the fact that I was dating my first cousin. Wow. Um, or maybe, actually, that's not even the worst, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> or maybe, I guess, to go even further than that, I'd say that the worst is the fact that she got away with giving multiple of my high school boyfriends head. And to this day has not been charged. And to this day, those boys didn't know what to do. Yeah. It took me coming out with my story for them to even believe that they were, they really went through that. that They were sexually assaulted by her. Um, And, you know, the sexual assault for men is so different than women um, because there's a different way of holding power over and, um, there's a different psychology behind it, but yeah, there's a lot of stigma in it with uh, male uh, with male sexual assault survivors and everything like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's still oh. and it's still something that's being fought to this day. Even yeah. I mean, luck, it's getting better than it was five, ten, twenty years ago, 
but it's still not nowhere near what it needs to be. Like, um, it's not even close enough. And, but like the boys that she was, that she was, I'm just going to say it, she was orally raping because I, I don't give a fuck. It's rape to me. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, and and I, I know you feel the same way too. Um, the boys that she was raping and everything, these were all underage boys and everything like that? Yes, all what? underage. And the way she continued to hold power over them and their family was her brother used to be the fire chief in town. And in small towns, yeah, fire chief is a big deal. Oh, yeah. Fire chief, then, police chief, mayor, those are all, you know, city council, those are all big, big positions yeah. in small towns. See, we didn't have anything like that. The person who ran the town was basically the chief of the fire department. Like, they have, like, a very oh. small old school board, but, yeah. like, the fire, like, the, the fire department pulls all the strings because it's the only safety. Like, uh, municipal government. Yeah. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, available out there to these people, like. I, I could, I'd have to drive an hour and 20 minutes from where I'm currently sitting in my living room to get back to my hometown. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is a very, it, like incest runs very deep in that town. Um, very, very deep. You know, you and I were talking about that. It's, it's almost a culture that's been accepted and it's kind of crazy because most of the people that I talk to that still live back there are doing everything in their power to stomp that shit out finally. Yeah. But it's at the expense of how many kids, like if my mom was getting away with that, how many other moms were getting away with that? How many other dads were getting away with that? Yeah. Like that's a really big thing to have happen in a community and go unnoticed. It didn't go unnoticed. And now I know that. Um, back as a kid, you know, obviously I didn't have that perspective, but now I know it never did go yeah. unnoticed. People just didn't know what to do. Um, can you imagine yeah. what, can you imagine how many people, what they, what their headspace is like when they find out that, that what they're, what they're participating in, in is incest and how they were oblivious to it all their fucking life. And then it mind fucks them. I mean, I almost killed myself over it. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie. Like, you know, I ain't got nothing left to lose in my life. Um, I almost killed myself over this shit. Yeah. And the worst part was when I was leaving her house this past spring, she told me she wished that she, I did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, a, yeah. Not a, not a good person. Definitely, uh, definitely a lump of coal on Santa's naughty list for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You try telling her that, Jeremy. She thinks that she is Santa's gift to freaking the world. <laughs> well, uh, as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, raping uh, boys and everything like that, and, uh, and and your and your own daughter and other people and whatnot. Uh, nah, the only only gift you're gonna get is the warm embrace of Chippy the wood chipper. As far as I'm concerned, feet first. Fuck I don't know that. if I told you this or not, but uh, I have a friend who I introduced to your podcast. And their kiddo named their elf on a shelf Chippy. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, of course, the kid does not know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all having, like, the giggles of our lifetime over <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait until that kid grows up and finds out, finds a cult of Chippy videos on TikTok. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. He's gonna lose his mind. He's gonna Hell lose yeah. his shit. He's gonna lose his shit in a better way than any of us ever did. Yeah. For um, any, for, well, for anybody that's new listening to this uh, interview and everything like that, don't know uh, the cult of Chippy is basically it's not like an actual real religious cult or anything like that. I don't want anybody to think that this is a real like it's just a group of individuals <laughs> that share the idea that pedophiles and rapists and human traffickers need to go feet first to the wood chipper. That's all, and we just call that wood chipper Chippy. Yeah, so, you know, no big deal. Yeah, we're just yeah. making some, you know, strawberry topping. That's all. Yeah, you know, just making humanity better. A better, you know, <laughs> people people wishing to make humanity a better place. Yeah, you know, through, that's through very why extreme we measures. Strawberry yeah. sauce for the for yeah. the ice cream because ice cream fixes everything. Exactly. Exactly. And that changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I guess but, kind of to refocus here. Um, yeah. So we've talked a lot, I guess, in my opinion, so far, just kind of like the little bits and pieces of like. 
what Janice has done. But yeah. I want to, um, you know, the older age stuff. I mean, yeah, that's part of the reason why I'm here, because that obviously affected me as an adult. But I want to I kind of want to jump back in and just kind of go back. And now that you guys kind of have the idea of where I've come from, a little bit of where I'm at now, I kind of want to jump back to like the like the full like these are the events that we've been able to string together um, and kind of bring people through what what the fuck this looks like. Um, If that's okay with you, that's fine with me. Yeah, I mean, this is your story. Let's hear it. You know that chorus, and they have to come out somewhere in your its bullhead. You know. Gotta control something here. Uh, so, you know, as I said in the beginning, my the first time I was sexually assaulted, I was three years old. That I remember. Yeah. Um, um, as I said before, I, I was always told I was just sick. So I grew up thinking that what was happening with my uncle was not just normal, but my fault because I was sick. Yeah. Um. And every time I, like, I tried to speak out about it and, like, I was, like, five. And, like, not even speak out about it. I was just, like, oh, I was talking to my friend. And I was, like, do does your uncle do this, too? Like, because her uncle seemed really fun. And I was taught that Mark was the fun uncle. Yeah. Um, And the poor little girl, just, like, the horror, you know, that passed over her face. Uh, that night, I was ex- it was explained to me that I was a pathological liar, that I was very sick, and that I like to make up stories about my family. That changed the course of my life for a lot of reasons. But um, she like and so I at by five like by between the ages of five and six, I was full on convinced by this woman that what my uncle was doing was completely in my head. I was making it up as I went along and that when I had these dreams um, or these stories, as she would call them, pop into my head, I would actively just try to rewrite the story. Again, lots of long-term consequences to that. And it stayed like that for a while. But the thing um, that's really fucked with Mark and I mean, a lot of these guys is like, he likes them younger. Yeah. Um, He likes them younger. So by the time I was like seven or eight, he didn't want anything to do with me. And he was already on to the next youngest cousin. In comes my, my godmother, Kathy's son, who starts sexually assaulting me. Um, he was performing oral sex on me yeah. from the age of about seven or eight i'll never forget the 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 like i forgot a lot of the other times in between because it was like from that point until i was like almost 14 was he your was he the same age as you was was he older or was he an adult he was older he's the second oldest of my cousins okay. he was born in 1990 and i'm a 1992 baby i got you i got you so there's two years older um that's this is not that cousin oh we're getting to him believe me okay. yeah he's gonna be our grand finale that's sick fuck um my cousin started to take over for my uncle but what like looking back what tells me like this is a family cycle and um unlocking or not even unlocking but like realizing that this was an organic memory was absolutely life-shattering for me was that he said to me well how else am I supposed to learn wow and again, as adults now, we know what that type of language indicates. Yeah. We know that my poor cousin, like, oh my, like, I feel really bad for my cousins. I have mixed feelings some days and like, they're not necessarily people that I want to reach out to and talk to at this point in my life. But like, yeah. we're all victims in this shit. And um I can only imagine what my cousin at the time, like, I'm seven. He's nine. How? How how does he know yeah. what oral sex is? And how does he know that that is how he's supposed to learn? 
Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I got a lot of questions as far as like, was he abused himself? Like, and who was abusing I, him? And, you know, and, and those things too. Because I mean, that that's how that's how it keeps going as well. When it's, exactly. especially with kids, like when it's with kids, kids don't know no better, right? No. And so they only know what they're being taught. And I can only imagine that he's being taught that by you know your uncle or or your, even your mom might have even uh, done something to him. I'm just speculating that I have if no I proof put money or anything, on but. It. It'd probably be my mom because she has like this really weird obsession with with boys. Like she really does. Like anytime a child reminds her of my father, like it's as if you she's raising him all of a sudden. Like it's insane. Yeah. Um so my guess is that I can't really say one way or another. Um and you know, I'm being honest. I don't. I don't think t- at this point in my life, I really, I really care to know necessarily. Right. right. Um, I just care that a they know that there's somebody out here that hasn't forgotten what we went through. Yeah. There's somebody out here that gives enough of a fuck to say like, yeah, no, this really did happen. I'm really sorry we went through all this. Yeah. That's a Let's... that's a mixed that's very much a mixed bag right there because while it's somebody that did hurt you and everything like that at the same time, they were also the victim as well in conditioning and grooming and everything and yeah. you know they were they were a child themselves you know and it's, yeah. it's fucked up it's a mind fuck it really is it's, mm-hmm. it's it, it definitely is for sure oh god yeah and then add in that I have like Stockholm syndrome and Munchausen's by proxy like I'm so easy to influence and get to feel bad about yeah. people like my empathy is not something I even <laughs> yeah let lead me at this point um because of the indoctrination because I was made to feel like it was my fault these things were happening and if I was just a better kid that they wouldn't be and again yeah. that's what's being a lot to be said to me I, I I don't know what happened behind other closed doors I have assumptions I have guesses right um and I may never know and I'm I'm honestly okay with that because this is this is my part of the story and they're entitled to do what they want with their part of the story. Right. Um, so uh, kind of from there, it, everything became, it, it became a blur. Um, yeah. And then uh, fast forward and I'm 11 and, you know, I had a really, it, I know we've talked about this before and you know where this is going. But I had the craziest out of wood person come out of the woodwork recently. And it just highlighted even more for me how much I needed to get on here and talk about this. Because this man that I'm about to talk about has to date been searched three times for child pornography. And because his dad is a fire chief or was the fire chief, he has gotten out of it. Yeah every single time his dad was the fire chief when that happened um so this gentleman i'm 11 and i'm really you know i think i'm all hot shit like every sixth grader does until they get to middle school um and this guy yeah he, he was a full-on guy i was a kid that he was a full-on guy becomes interested in me he is 16 no he was 15 going on 16 that October. Yeah. Um, and so when he and I started dating, again, I was 11, he was 15, he turned 16. Um, and everything was like, in my mind, great. No red flags going off whatsoever. Be, and which like blows my mind now looking back at as, as a parent, like, I just don't understand. But <laughs> I digress. So he, my mom's encouraging me to date this guy, like really, truly encouraging the relationship, telling me things like, um, I should be proud that an older man is into me and shows how mature I am. It's like gag. I could puke. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Like just really like indoctrinating fucked up shit that you shouldn't say to your kid. Um, which is bad enough. So she's encouraging this relationship. I'm really like team me and me and Charles. Okay. And yeah. uh, 
Well, then dad finds out. And he's mad. I'm told it's because of the age gap. Um, turns out that's not why dad's mad. Um, dad was mad because I was dating my first cousin. Yeah. And um, I didn't know. I had no clue. Because you see what happened was his dad was my uncle's ex-wife's sister. At the end of the day, wait, wait, I don't wait, care. Wait, wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying, I'm trying. His dad was your was his was your was uncle's ex. Uh, so was your former aunt's sister. Uh yeah. So his dad was my former aunt's. I got you. Okay, okay. The guy yeah. that the 16 year old. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah. Still talking about your dad for a second. I'm like, wait, wait, what? No, okay. no, no. Oh, God, so the guy, God. the guy, that, yeah, okay. So the older guy, okay, yeah. And that's how you got the familiar. Okay, so first, yeah, gotcha. So I didn't know I was related to him at all. I had no like no yeah. realization of this, and it was kind of crazy because after you and I had talked about this, I realized another level. Um, so I'm his date to. A wedding. I know that much. And I'm like, just at this point, I'm like 12. I'm like over the moon. Like, oh my God, I'm going yeah. to a wedding. I'm somebody's date. I'm, my mom's convinced me that this is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, all of this other shit. Right. Um, and we're getting ready and my mom's pulling on my hair and braiding it. And she says, uh, she says to me now, I need you to understand here that Amanda is your cousin too. And I'm like, who's Amanda? <laughs> I, I yeah. didn't even like put two and two together. Like I was that, that just kind of aloof from it. Um, and she was like, the wedding you're going to is Amanda's wedding. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But what, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't get it. And keep in mind, my uncle's new wife is on the other side of me, helping with the other side of my hair. Okay. And so, so, says, so a strange, so a stranger outside the family is no, on no. the other side, Brady. Yeah, like your your uncle's new wife. Yeah, yeah. Like I cannot believe, yeah. like my mom and and the woman didn't even bat an eye. And my mom's like, "Well, you and Charlie both have the same cousin, Amanda." And I'm like, "Wait, so we're related? Like I'm starting to get skeeved out and freak out. Like I'm panicking. Like I know, like that's not okay. Despite yeah. what I had gone through earlier." I knew, like, that wasn't okay. Like, no, no. And um, so she says, it's okay, honey. And, like, I'm, like, I'm standing up. I literally pushed her away from me because I was, like, what are you talking about? I don't mean, like, shoved. I mean, like, like, my forearm, like, literally, like, just, like, I didn't hit her. Like, I just kind of. Yeah. Like, you need to back up. Like, what is this? It wasn't, like anything dramatic there but um he uh she then goes on to explain that mike who is my you know the other the other individual here's husband um used to be married to uh charlie's aunt so we're we're related but not really i'm sorry what my co- like my other cousins that are first first cousins aren't technically blood related either if you really want to get down to it but like still you don't that no yeah. no there in no world is it okay for you to encourage your daughter to date their first cousin removed like i i, I can't find a place where that's okay um especially with that large of an age gap and for my uncle's new wife to be 100% okay with that and not be shocked at all by what my mom is saying. She, in fact, yeah. turned around and scolded me for being so upset. Wow. Um, and, like, I didn't even, like, realize. It didn't even click in my brain that my aunt knew I was dating my cousin. Like, when a marriage falls apart, like, I just have so many questions. A lot. The one I mostly get hung up on, though, is 
So would it be different if Mike and Sally had a kid? Yeah. Would then it have been not okay for me to date Charlie? Like it just it the math just didn't math. Right. Um and he like dude that man fucked me over in the head in so many ways. I'd I'd put him up there next to Mark in Honestly, Mark's not even the most vile, like really, in my opinion, Janice is because Mark was still actively in his addiction when I was being sexually assaulted by yeah. my uncle Mark. Um, and my mom, like my mom was, but she wasn't. Like, yeah. My uncle was strung out on crack where my mom was a functioning addict. Um, and there's two very different, like, those are two very different types of addicts. Right. right. Um, but at the same time, like, there's stories of, of him doing really fucked up shit to his sisters, too. So, you know, uh, to get back to where we're going, though. So, yeah, I'm dating my cousin. And I continue to date him. And it gets, like, so much more fucked up from there because, like, not only did I continue to date him, but... The first time he, so he convinced me like a year or so later at this point, he's like full fledged out of high school. Like by the time this happened, he was out of high school, working a full-time job, like had no business being anywhere near any of us. Yeah. Um, Cause he cycled through like the same six girls for a long time, the same six of us. And his mom, um, like not only was his dad in the fire department at that point, the assistant chief, um, but his mom worked for the school. Yeah. And in small little communities like that, again, working for the school means something. Um, and as fucked up as that is. Um, so like a year or so later, well, he wasn't, no, it was more than that. It was like, I, I was... I was 13. So he was 18. Yeah, I was right. So six, yeah, he was like a full-fledged adult at that point. Um, and even though we had broken up and had been broken up for a while by this time, he would, I would still hang out with him because like, again, there's not a lot of kids to hang around with. So you yeah. hung around with who you could. Um, and he wears me down into giving him head. And uh, I didn't know it, but that's called coercive abuse. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I also didn't know that he had two people set up a video camera and record me. Um, Jesus. And then it got passed around school. Actually, I take that back. He wasn't quite out of high school. He was in his last year of high school because he was finishing up his vocational training. Yeah. And this is actually how I ended up in that school where I met um, my previous girlfriend, um, Amanda, that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, so he then goes to school. Well, between the time of this happening and the next day of school, he distributes this piece of child pornography to most of the school population. Jesus Christ. He didn't so much as get a talking to. I got kicked out of the school. What? Yep. And then I was put through a whole bunch of um, quote unquote, I hate this term, but I don't know better. I don't know what the. I guess we'll just call it. I, I, I was cycled through a bunch of the uh, teen, troubled teen uh, school. Uh, troubled um, teen industry uh, institutions. Yeah. 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 yeah like uh, Crossroads Center for Children and um, was the one that I ended up in first. And um, yeah, for being hypersexual. Nobody listened to the fact that I was suicidal over the fact that, well, they did care about that. I was suicidal over the fact that this would happened. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, 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 I don't know if you, we mentioned it on the phone or not when we first talked that you was in a trouble teen industry place. I forgot about that fact. Holy shit. Yeah. 
how how long were you in like those type of facilities? In and out from the age of twelve till eighteen. Yeah. Wow. My high school got fucked. Yeah. Like I, I've I had to reteach myself almost everything when I went to college, and then I ended up dropping out of college because it was just too much of a burden over my head to have to keep relearning all of these basic things that I should have learned. Um, and they were disrupted for no reason other than a school at that point, a school administrator, um, a school administrator's son was passing around child pornography and I was the victim. Jesus. Um, I was hospitalized because, you know, after that happened, like I went home and I was trying to talk to my mom about it and she was being an asshole and like just basically blaming me for it and everything. So I turned around and I wrote a, I wrote a note to him like on AIM, AIM back in those yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote a message to him and I was like, I hope you know I'm going to kill myself over this shit. I hope you're fucking proud. Well, then his mom gives two fucks about what's happening in his life. And she was not only in the school district and not only the wife to the assistant chief, but she was the head of the ambulance. She was the head of the rescue squad. So she called in for an ambulance for suicide. Yeah. Um, back in, this was like 2005, 2004. So like back then, you know, mental health, not that it's very great today, but mental health was much different back then. Yeah. And, um, Let me guess. They came in and uh, took you out of the house and brought you to a facility on for, no. for hold. No. My dad told them to, you know, this was one time my dad actually, like my dad did a lot for me growing up. But this situation, he was, like, I look back and he was very clearly in either fight or fawn. Um, and that was the one time my dad told her, he straight up said, you go home and mind your fucking son. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Take your fucking people and fucking go. My wife and I will decide what to do with my daughter. You're not needed. And ultimately, yes, I did go to the psychiatric hospital and... I'm thankful for that, despite it being very traumatic and how I ended up there because and going a lot of the things I went through there are really fucked up. But the nice thing is, or not the nice thing, I guess the good, the silver lining out of it was when I was there, I started to realize like it was a safe place. I'd never been in a safe place before. I could tell somebody something and they would believe me when I would say that my mom calls me fat and tells me I need to stay on a diet, and that's why I refused dessert, they believed me. Which is a true story as well, by the way. Um, at this point at 12, I was five foot seven, almost five foot eight, and 99 pounds. But you were fat. Yeah. According, according to Janice, you were fat, I guess. Yeah, according to Janice, I was fat. Uh, yeah, I, I, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> That's like um, my favorite term. <laughs> the more I find out, it just I digress. Like there's I, I can't even like. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I I've had to learn that from uh, uh, somebody. Somebody gave me that piece of advice because I I do ramble a lot. And if you listen to my at my solo episodes, my intros and outros, you know, mm -hmm. in my podcast, y'all, a lot of y'all know I ramble too fucking much. Mm -hmm. And it, it's you know, but anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> Oh, I, have like, I have like I have two big, thank you. I have two big questions. Uh, yeah, just from what, I, yeah, just from what I've been hearing so far. Uh, one is, um, I, I, if you can dig into your troubled teen industry stuff, you know, as far as your experiences with that. But also, yeah. the other bigger question: Where was your dad in all this? Because I, I hear a lot about Janice, but I don't really. I hear like this is kind of the first time we're really hearing. A, anything about your dad like did he know what was going on did he did he also he abuse you he didn't and like like how did uh, how did he i mean i i, I, I can't well, really he say did. how he eventually did know yeah um so my dad oh god this is where it gets deep i'm sorry that's okay um, i had to take a couple of breaths jeremy hold on that's fine that's fine that's perfectly fine My dad passed away in 2007 to single non-small cell cancer in his lungs. He literally suffocated to death. 
because he was a union painter um, and he worked for Raytheon in GE doing an industrial painting. Yes, he packed a, he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. I understand that. What a lot of people don't understand about single non-small cell lung cancer is it requires a continual exposure to a specific type of chemical. Chemicals yeah. that are only found in those older paints, which is, you know, why when people repaint their house, most of the time a painter has a respirator on because even the paint we paint our houses with today is really not great to breathe in. Yeah. That being said, that man busted his ass. My mom has issues with finances to say the least. We were always in debt up to our eyeballs. Like she, and she's still that way. Like she will spend every penny of her paycheck on buying stupid shit, knowing that she has a car payment, let her car get repossessed. Real story, true story here. Let her car get repossessed and then have either me or my brother unimpound it for her because I should feel bad or he should feel bad because she spent all this money on my kids. Mm. How about you just pay your car note? Like my kids have enough. And like at, at that point in my life, like everything, like literally my closet, like my kids' closets were overflowing. They were overflowed into my closet. Um, so she's always had that problem of money and it still is that way to this day. So like she lived so far above our means that my dad had to constantly be working, which ultimately cost him his life. She killed him. She fucking killed him. He should still, he, first of all, he should still be here. Second of all, he should be outliving his wife who was 10 years older than him when he got married. Like he should not have died at 44. But yeah, I was about to ask you. So, I, was, I was about to ask you, like, how old was he when he passed away? Wow, forty-four. Forty-four. Well, young. not even. He was yeah. forty-three, going on forty-four. Jesus, that's fucking this, young. This year is the sixteenth year he's been gone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy that you and I are doing this today because the twenty, um, the twenty-third was always mine and my dad's day, and the holidays were my dad's time. Um, he had two favorite numbers, 16 and 12, 16 being the day he was born, October 16th and 12 being December. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of meaning to having this conversation here today, I guess that I didn't quite realize. Um, but so he was, he was constantly working and like, he was a great provider. Don't get me wrong. And he was phenomenal, but it meant that he missed a lot of things. He missed a lot of signs and he was easily under my mom's thumb because, you know, I, I kind of say this as a joke, but it's the truth. You know, my dad was a part of the battered husbands club out where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and it's disgusting. Like the, the shit he and his buddies went through out there with their wives would blow your mind. So he was also being abused and he was being manipulated because she never was honest. And she like just completely, all the time skirted over you know like he i don't he didn't even know about the cps thing when like i told the like um the institution i was in uh what happened there was obviously like it was kind of a stop the press moment for everybody um and they were calling authorities in and stuff like that um there was something that both of my parents needed to sign off on and this, the institution I'm referencing is Four Winds, their Saratoga location up here in New York. Yeah. Um, they allowed my mom to sign for him. Um, he didn't know. He had no clue. And like all that shit came out over the summer. To yeah. like that, like that was the end of my school year. Then I'm in a, in a hospital. And then like, it's just like one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, and he was just kind of trying to play catch up. And I remember thinking back and my mom actually used the same phrase with me in, in trying to indoctrinate, um, exes of mine, you have to get them on the same page. They just don't get it like we do. So he, she had to get my, convince my dad I was mentally ill. Yeah. Well, that was because when my dad was home and he had time, you know, and I was acting out. He actually would take me for a freaking drive in the truck away from her and be like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like actually, actually spend time and talk to you and get to get to figure out what's going on so he can help like, you. He yeah. could be so mad 
that the he had a vein on the side of his neck and um, one of my kiddos has the same exact one and that's so funny because it pulses the same way my dad's dead when he gets mad <laughs> yeah but he, that vein could be pulsing on my dad's neck and he would say through gritted teeth and he wasn't always this way but as i got older he was he would say through gritted teeth what the fuck do you think you're doing and i would explain like, I'm autistic. There's a reason for everything I do. There is no such thing as no rhyme and no reason to what I do. Autistic yeah. people, we have a reason. We have a code. <laughs> we are a different breed of human, if you will. Right. Um, and he knew that. Um, you know, when I was younger, my dad was very, uh, he could be very physically abusive. Um, he was the corporal punish type. Um, I don't, I personally don't believe in spanking to each their own, but that's because I was spanked to a point where I learned that I was spanked by, at the hands of my father to a point where I learned that if I was stoic and I didn't cry, he would just stop. Yeah. So Vince isn't perfect, but I love him because he redeemed himself, unlike Janice. Uh, around the time I was nine, my parents separated. They got divorced. Well, not divorced. So they, they, they got separated. My dad moved in to in this little trailer Um my mom stayed in the house we were renting. This is before we moved. Like I, I wasn't even out, out of elementary school yet. Yeah. And um, I was over at my dad's and I like, I'm just doing the things like brushing my teeth, wash my face with my dad. I'm having visitation with him. And he pulls out this box of pills. It was purple and yellow. I'll never forget it. And I was like, what's that? You don't take medicine. Are you okay? Thinking like at this time, my grandfather had had several heart attacks. So I was thinking like, you know, yeah, something's wrong with him. Like <laughs> medically. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I was losing my shit a little bit. Um, and he was like, well, you know, daddy has an anger issue because daddy gets super sad. Um, because I don't know how to cry instead of getting sad and crying, I get mad. Yeah. So I decided I don't want to do that anymore. And that's why, you know, he had like a whole little spiel essentially going like, well, that's why I've lost my temper and I've hit you in the past. And I'm sorry for that. Like he, he apologized and she made him out to be like this horrible, horrible human being and this monster. Um, and it wasn't again until I was an adult and able to, and, and people started reaching out to me with their own experiences, both with my mom and my dad. And it's like Jekyll and Hyde. My dad, like everybody adores and has nothing but good things to say and lots of empathy about him. And then they talk about Janice and she's like this wicked witch of the West. Yeah. It's, it's insane and it's mind blowing. Um, but that leading to Christmas that year um, that I had gone to four winds. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Um, yeah. Part of my family that I skipped over here is my family is of the Utah Powers family that, um, and the Colorado Powers and Legnard family, families that um, established Alcoholics Anonymous. I got you, yeah. Um, they have a part that they play in the troubled teen industry. Yeah. That organization and, but you know, Back then, my dad didn't know that, and he wasn't thinking of it that way. Um, but he actually brought, when he died, um, you know those little, like, books, the guest books that you got to sign when you get to a yeah. funeral? Yeah. We, I think it was when we went through either four or five. Might have even been more than that. But I do know that um, it was... Uh, two of two books full of just people he brought to sobriety. Wow. I grew up around an AA table. The only time, the only quality time I got with my dad were Friday nights and Saturdays and Saturday morning, not even all day because he was off working. And Friday nights we spent at AA. I heard all sorts of f fucked up stories that yeah. I should have never heard. But I think it was his way of trying to educate me on something he didn't even understand or comprehend. Um, so 
yeah, my dad, like, while AA ha- has a lot of really fucked up people in it, my dad, luckily, was one of the people who was doing a lot of really good work. And I do hope to one day completely reform AA. Um, I want to completely deconstruct it and actually call it um, Abuse Anonymous and re- rewrite everything that we know of it. Because we need a support group for people who are going through that. But we're not hitting, you know, the actual issue in AA. We're just sitting around the table blaming a whole bunch of things on a whole bunch of other things without ever getting to the bottom of the problem. And that doesn't really help anybody. All right, everybody. I think we're going to cut it off for today at this point. And we'll pick up next week with part two of finding grace. I hope that y'all have got something out of this and that something resonated with you and that you get to learn a little bit more about another survivor. The stories don't ever stop y'all. They just keep coming to me. So, all I can tell you is, I love y'all. Y'all be safe. Stay tuned for next week. And if you uh, want to keep be updated on the podcast, stay tuned on to Amanda Park Podcast on TikTok or on the Facebook group. The socials will be in the description of the episode, as in most of my episodes have them. And that's it, y'all. Y'all have a good day. Remember, protect all children, even if they're not your own. The bowmen see, and the bowmen never forget. Much love. We must carry on.